Welcome, 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 everyone, to this extra amazing plus-sized two-for-the-price-of-one week of episodes here at the Smooth Rolls Radio Hour. I'm your host, Jason Rutledge. So this time, we're looking back at what turned out to be a very brief but very exciting revival of 3D movies in the early 1980s, specifically the mighty and magnificent Feast for the Senses, Jaws 3D. Got Dennis Quaid, Bess Armstrong, Simon McCorkendale, Louis Gossett Jr., and of course, a really big, big shark. But that's not all, folks. Uh, You're also getting a special treat with our interview with John Putch. We talk about his work on Jaws 3D, his career as an actor and a director, and so much more. Please check that one out. You won't regret it. It's available right now alongside this very episode. So Nathan and Katie are back to talk sharks and dolphins and manimals. I gotta say, I'm absolutely psyched for this one. I got my juice box, I got some snacks, I got a box of grenades. No, hold it, hold it, hold on a second Wait, there. what? There's not going to be any explosives underwater. There's acrylic down there, it's a very fragile environment, there's no bombs, no way. Huh? Calvin, are you listening to all this? No grenades. Oh, man. It was an off-screen death, but yeah. But still, like, as soon as the dog ran up, I was like, that dog's not making it. Yeah, it sucks about movies like this. You just, when you put that animal in there, you know they're in peril. Little Kittner boy? Yeah. I mean, that was a shame. Well, his I have a, I have, a, I have an interesting story about uh, that the, the actor who played him and the actress who played his mom. Well, Evidently, like... Pippet? Ev- no. Uh, oh. The Kid- Kittner boy. Kittner. I wanted yeah. to say Kidsnit, and I knew that wasn't right. Kittner. Evidently, she went to this restaurant like later in life, and on the menu was a Kittner sandwich or something like that, like a, a play on words. And then um, somebody told the the owner of the restaurant that the woman who was in Jaws was there, and come to find out it was the boy who played Kittner in the first film, and they hadn't seen each other oh, since wow. filming the original Jaws. I didn't know that. That's cool. So I thought that was interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, let's introduce it. We should, hear this. we should get into this episode of the Smooth Thrills Radio Hour talking about 3D movies of the 1980s, one in particular. So through the 1950s, which is considered the heyday of the 3D movie, there were about 60 to 70 of them made. That trailed off a bit in the 60s and 70s where you've had lesser and lesser output of 3D because of technical complications and people were kind of tired of it. And then in the 1980s, you had this resurgence. You had about 30 or so 3D movies made in the period of the 1980s, if you count Captain EO as being a real movie. Up to you. Uh, we're looking in particular at, what year was it? 1983. Well, before that, you had Coming At You, mm-hmm. which is 1981. Which kind of kicked off the craze. Very stylish movie. It's well worth watching. I think they go to the dropping coins on the camera thing yeah. too, too many times. But you, To be fair, Pennies from Heaven didn't do that at they all. They didn't do it at all, no. You had Space, Space Hunter, Hunter, Adventures in the Forbidden Zone, Amityville 3D, Friday the 13th 3D, Metal Storm, The Destruction of Jared Sin, and the one we're talking about today mostly, which is Jaws 3D. Jaws 3D was released in July of 1983, made on a budget of about $20.5 million, depending on how you look at it. It made a bunch of money. It made $88 million by the time it was done. It's kind of not as well remembered today. It's a fun movie to watch, I thought. Much more fun than Amityville 3D, which I thought was kind of dull as a doornail. I like it. 
I know you like it. I know. Do you just have a thing for 3D? Is that what it is? Uh, no. Not necessarily. <laughs> no, what? You said Amityville 3D? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I love the Amityville. Like the, the first three, I love those movies. And I like some of the subsequent ones, but yeah. Well, part of the problem with these is unless you saw it in a theater, it's just not going to resonate. Just the home video transfers of nearly all of these just kind of look like crap. And it had to do with the way they were shot. These were shot in single strip film. So it was called the top bottom process. So your left eye was on the top part of the frame and your right eye was on the bottom part of the frame, which were then shot through a mirror system in the projector to create this 3D image, polarized 3D image on screen that you could watch with the special glasses. Any of the home video transfers, you're only seeing the left eye image. And you can pick up on this right away with Jaws 3D because right at the beginning, the whole Universal logo comes swooping in and is just off center. Like it's pushed off to the right side because you're only seeing that eye part of it. And likewise, everything in the movie, if it's too close to the edges of the frame, it starts looking really weird and gets out of focus and looks kind of barely. And the resolution is terrible because it's really grainy because they had to take half the frame and blow it up. It's kind of like transferring from 16 millimeter to 35. Effectively, it has an effect. I mean, most people who saw Jaws 3D probably saw it on home video later on or on HBO or something like that. (laughs) And you're talking about people that probably didn't even know it was called Jaws 3D also. That's true, because they took the the D off of it when it got to home video. It was Jaws Jaws 3. Which is even more confounding because you have to wonder why these gimmicky shots are throughout the film. Oh, definitely. I was about to say that. A full screen pan and scan transfer of a Panavision film. Yeah. Yeah. It's even more glaring. Mm-hmm. There's definitely a lot of scenes in it where you're like, okay, that was because it was 3d. Right. That's always been Which, my problem with it is they, if you're going to do a movie in 3d, you, you almost have to throw in those little gimmicks just to take advantage of it. It can't just be a regular ass movie that just happens to be in 3d. Which we have I nowadays. I feel like the, which is, yeah. yeah, the, well, the real 3D that exists now, which is like that where it's, fil- it just gives more depth to the film. Like, I find that because, like, a lot of the Marvel movies have been in that real 3D. I don't know if that's like a specified thing, but it just gives more depth to the film. It doesn't necessarily have specific things in it where it would make it mm. come out of the screen. So I right. don't know if there's like varying levels of 3D now. Whereas there back are, then it the, was for the gimmick. Well, the process is totally different. When we originally started trying to do 3D again in the early, late 2000s, it was still an in-camera process. You had a special camera set up with two lenses right next to each other, about 17 millimeters apart, same as the human eye. So you were limited to the kind of lenses you could use because they had to be small enough to fit right next to each other. And no two lenses are exactly alike, so once it got into post... You had to use special software to match up one image to the other. And it was kind of a labor-intensive process, and everybody hated it. Nowadays, all these 3D movies are converted. They're shooting it as a regular 2D process and then literally cutting, rotoscoping out all of the 3D elements and placing them in 3D space. It's a very labor-intensive process, but you have so much more control over it. And it just looks a lot different, and you don't have the same technical problems that you had projection like we did in the 1980s right i would describe it the current trend or the one that's been going on for what 15 years now Mm -hmm. as subtle 3d 
-hmm. Yeah. Like she's right about the depth because that's there, but there's no real prominence Mm -hmm. to the action in the foreground. They still try to push the gimmicks, though. I mean, sometimes, but yeah, I mean, well, I could watch a like movie like saying, a Marvel yeah. movie, and you wouldn't know that the it Marvel was in three D or not. But right. that goes the case with Fast and the Furious or whatever Mission Impossible, now, like, any movie that's instance, in that. Uh, when Coraline came out, there is a lot in that film that you can tell was specifically done because it was also right. presented in three D. Like, there's a scene where when she's sewing the button eyes on the doll, like the needle comes up out of the screen. Like, there's that's yeah specificity to it but like the marvel movies i've seen the majority of them also in 3d and it doesn't have like especially with guardians of the galaxy where it's like in space and all Mm. it just adds that expansiveness to it instead of just watching the regular film it still works even though it's not in 3d but how many times do you go to the movies but they are in 3d I mean, it still works as, as a home video. Right, either way experience. is what he's saying. Oh, yeah, because, well, in the, isn't there that it's filmed in 3D versus not filmed in 3D, where that there is, is that. the intention too. is yeah. different, yeah. Well, it's yeah. kind of like with Christopher Nolan, how he films his films specifically for IMAX. Yeah. Not specifically, but you know what I mean. He utilizes like, the full frame, mm-hmm. yeah. Sure. Well, that's also the thing with um, conversion versus, and I don't know if Jurassic World was a conversion. Yes. But I remember I would, I mean, this happened a dozen times where I'll go to a movie and I'll go, I'm going to go see it because it's in 3D. Mm-hmm. And then you walk away going, why did I bother? Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. Jurassic World, it looked okay. But I, what was weird is Jurassic Park, which was absolutely not shot and with any intention of being in 3D. Mm-hmm. When they did the 20th anniversary re release, mm-hmm. it was in 3D. They did a conversion and that looked 10 times better and more. I think it's involving to me. It works better with genre pictures, I think. But I'm not, yeah, it's the same. I also think it helps though. when it's not hokey. Mm-hmm. Like when it is extra dimensional instead of, oh my God, this spear came out at my face. It's yeah. like yeah. when I saw the Friday the 13th in 3D. Oh, that, that I didn't egregious. see it in 3D, <laughs> but I saw it in the right. theater. But it still had all those scenes where it's because isn't that the or one the where eyeball. like there's the yeah. board comes down and a rat walks out? Is that yeah, yeah, yeah. the Friday think, the Thirteenth? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's like it has those desi- the the designed aspects that are utilized because it's in three D. Sure. Well, I say genre pictures because a team of about forty people spent an entire year converting Titanic to three D, and nobody cared. I mean, it's Titanic. You only care oh. about the first VHS anyway. Yeah, like, not only had everybody already seen Titanic, but why are we doing this in 3D now? Why are we converting this? Yeah. Well, I, you know, the same thing with T2. Mm. And I saw that in the theater when they re-released it, what, two years ago? Yeah. I, I didn't give a shit if it was in 3D or not. I just want to see T2 in the theater again. Sure. And it looked okay, but I didn't walk away from it being floored at all. And I know that they did a whole lot of work on that as mm-hmm. far as like the lighting was changed color palette was changed to accommodate the new dimension and all that. And and when you come away from it, you're like, meh, okay. Yeah. I personally never see a film the first time around in 3d. Like if I want to see a movie multiple times, like specifically the Marvel movies, then I'll see it again in 3d because then it's like, okay, at least I can look at it differently. I'm not just, I mean, I don't mind watching if a movie is good, I'll watch it a bajillion times. That doesn't matter. But it's like, at least, seeing it in 3d gives it a little bit of extra 
Well, for a while there, we didn't have a choice. You were railroaded into seeing it in 3D because you had no other option to do it. I told Nathan before, I, w- I went to see that second Thor movie, and mm-hmm. I, I wanted to just go ahead and see it in 2D because the tickets Dark were cheaper. Ball. And the only option you had was a Wednesday 9 a.m. screening was the only oh, 2D the option you had. Yeah. If you wanted to see it that way. And they're... Yeah, that's true. They and then they come out and like say, oh, two how popular 3D is now when you have no choice. I think Dark World was also at that time when they were really pushing 3D. That's when 3D yeah. TVs were big. That's when like, the 3D craze was really big. So they're, of course, going to push those more than... They want to sell those tickets before they... Because sure. I think it was when Dark World came out, when I lived in Maryland, that was when we got our first 3D theater. Like before then, we would have to go to Baltimore to go to the IMAX theater to see anything in 3D. Like it wasn't an, a normal thing around there. We didn't have a 3D theater. Mm. Well, regardless of how it was shot, whether it was 3D, 2D, black and white color, there still has to be a movie there to hang on your hat on. And Jaws 3D is a pretty entertaining movie. Oh, it's very, it's, not, it's a lot of fun. It's not a great Jaws movie necessarily. Hey, wait a minute. <laughs> I it's mean, like I a don't living, think... breathing theme park attraction. That's the way I feel exactly. about it. Exactly. <laughs> no, it's I mean, escapism. I don't disagree with you there. Having watched all three of them in such quick mm-hmm. su- su- succession, succession, is yeah. that the word? I feel like each one of them brings something different to the same story. Does that make sense? Yeah, I agree. Like, the third one is fun. It's kind of hokey. Like, you don't really have, like, it's, oh my God, there's a shark in the water park. <laughs> the first one is, I feel like, clearly the best one out of the three. Yeah. Sorry, Nathan. I know you love the third one. <laughs> no, but, there's, well, Jaws is my favorite film. It's, it's, yeah. it's a it's good a movie. I mean, I'm yeah. everything about it, it's well made. The score is phenomenal. The acting's amazing. Like, I enjoyed it way more than I thought I would. I am definitely all sharked out for a bit. Like, I'm, <laughs> I'm okay if I do not watch another shark movie for a while. Because they do get repetitive, like, oh, no, there's a shark, but we aren't, don't believe everyone that there's a shark. Oh, right. no, almost died by shark. Like, well, the, the actual shark doesn't show up for the first hour of this thing. <laughs> what? But you oh, went through, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Those two boys. Well, Shelby sort of. Overman. Yeah, because it, well, and it, it, it. You see the fin in the very beginning. When the, okay, you see a fin. Sorry. Yeah, that's the shark, man. The, my thing is, if you are Sean and Mike. You've lived through two summers of shark attacks on the island you live yeah. on. Mm-hmm. You should know that you should know. Like, you should know that there's a shark. He just seems so surprised when they're like, oh, no, there's a shark. And it just, <laughs> it just blows my mind that You're it's talking like. talking about uh, Dennis Quaid, the Mike Brody? Yes. Yeah. He's like, what? I don't know what's happening. And it's like, dude, <laughs> <laughs> come on. <laughs> you yeah. know. And you're working and really at SeaWorld. And really pissed me off in the yeah. second one, too. Because in the second one, they're all like, we're not going to listen to dad and we're going to go out in the water. And it's like, they really deserve to be eaten by the shark. Well, the yeah, Mike's one. just an, kind of an annoying teen in the second one. And then Sean just wants to be as cool as his older brother sure. or well, seemingly as cool as him. And I love the fact by the third one, his parents still live in, in Amity. Yeah. Well, like, Roy, I'm Roy sorry Scheider- if I was him i would have left roy scheider absolutely refused to be in this movie losing his job at well, the no, end of yeah. too. i mean well, that's yeah, the whole point this... that he goes to amity island in the first mm-hmm. film is they get that yeah promotion or that opportunity but the fact that they're still there if you don't like water and you don't like sharks and you go through this for two summers in a row and however many years the third one takes place after one and two 
why are you still in Amity? Just just go somewhere else. Like They became islanders. God, no, yeah. you never become an If you're not born an islander, you don't I become know, an islander. I know, I know, I know. But they're honorary Amity Islanders. <laughs> Speaking of that, you, in the first Jaws movie, you got a lot of regional color built into that. It's oh, very New England. And we, we kind of get that in Jaws 3 here with some, uh, I don't know if you want to call this regional Florida dialect. This is called Jawsy get, accents. Well, get your get your opinion <laughs> on this. Sleep in. He don't live in. You tell Shelby Overman for me. He can take a flying leap at a rolling donut on a gravel driveway. You hear? Oh, ho, ho, ho! Just a second. Didn't he come home last night? No. He well, he didn't show up here either. I figure he's home hungover. I tell you, the man's trash, and I don't want him around my place. Hi, darling. He's gone. You take hey, his Charlene, stuff. Hey, Charlene, what's going on, huh? Shelby Overman's AWL again. Oh, no, I'm sorry. What, is this all his stuff? Yeah. Doesn't figure. He left his passport and his, his credit card. Look at this. His driver's license, pawn tickets. I don't think he could have been planning to go too far. You don't think something happened to him. I mean, wouldn't the police have called? Or the yeah. No, 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 look. Somebody? He is curled up drunk someplace. <laughs> and when I find him, he's in deep trouble. Yeah, don't you worry. We're going to let you know just as soon as we hear anything, OK? Want to help me out? Yeah, thank you, right. Charlie. Let me look in the lagoon. Hey, I'm mad at that old boy, but I don't mean him any harm. You hear me? I don't mean him any harm. That's great. You know, I kind of <laughs> hate Charlene because she is so aggressive to Dennis Quaid in this movie. Mm. And what's why you got to throw the bag at him to get your point across? He had nothing to do with Shelby Overman being an asshole, or he told well, him not to work like- overtime. Taking a flying leap at a rolling donut on a gravel road. But yeah, the thing that's is, that's kind of, it expands over all three of them. Because you figure how um, yeah. Martin, Marty gets, gets slapped, slapped in the first yep. one and he mm-hmm. wanted to close the beach. Like, it's just that continuation of blaming people when it's not their fault. Yeah. And then like when they're at the bar in the beginning and he's trying to introduce her to his younger brother. Have you met my younger brother? And she's like, doesn't even want to fucking meet him. Yeah. Cuts him off and's like, "Hey, <laughs> what's happening with Shelby? Is he working overtime?" It's just it's, you know, like, calm down, Charlene. Like, if Shelby was doing stuff behind your back, I could kind of understand why. He looks pretty shifty. Well, it's also at the bar though that we get what could be our second taste of local color, which is standoff. Yeah, I had never heard of or seen this bar game before this movie, and I haven't seen it since. We Katie? should uh, have a tournament of it next year at Texas Frightmare. There you go. Katie, had you ever seen or heard of Standoff before this movie? I don't know if I've, I mean, no, but <laughs> it's, it's one of those things where it's like, I've not heard of it, but I don't know if I've just not heard of it called that because the premise of it seems very familiar. Does that make sense? And that's what yeah. we were kind of talking about too, is like, it seems like something people would do at a it's bar. It's like chicken. Haven't you ever played chicken with somebody? Not in a bar. Like, it's no. like that. I mean, I also, well, I don't know if it's an age thing. And plus coming like, off the I'm heels of like urban here. cowboy or something like that, where you have the, <laughs> you know. I don't think I could have drawn a line myself between Jaws 3D and urban well, cowboy. You no, know, they have, first they have like the, what, the punching bag, and then they get the mechanical pull. Well, sure. At Gillies, of Isn't course. Isn't that John Travolta? It mm-hmm. is. Yeah. It is. So they go off looking for, for this guy where they recreate basically the Hooper Brody expedition to Ben Gardner's boat. Only in this case, it's the fake sunken Spanish galleon. 
and they yeah. bring dolphins. The dolphins go everywhere. Maybe this bugged you, Katie, as much as it bugs me. But how, why is it in every movie where there's an animal, whether it's a dog or a cat, or in this case, dolphins, they have to be making their particular animal noise absolutely constantly. That dolphin noise is the like Wilhelm scream of dolphins. Yeah. You always yeah. hear that dolphin noise whenever there's dolphins in anything. True. That so and, it just it just made me laugh because well, I'm like, that is default dolphin noise. <laughs> I mean, if the dolphin shuts up for five seconds, are we going to forget it's a dolphin all of a sudden? Why is it doing But this? the thing is, is how often are you around dolphins? That all the time. Ride, that made me laugh. That that could just be how dolphins do their business. I, I'm not around dolphins enough. Dogs bark all the damn time. My cat yeah. meows all the time. Like, so it could just be dolphins do dolphin things all the time. Well, they can get away with that. it with the dolphins, though. But whereas, whereas he's talking about, if you watch an old television show or movie or whatever, where there's a dog prominent in the scene, you could see the dog not barking. Well, yeah. But they put <laughs> the bark. track in there of him barking or whatever. And you're like, well, Why they is do it with necessary? babies, too. They'll yeah. be like, oh, we need the baby crying in this scene, but the baby's obviously not crying, but you hear screamy baby noises. So Even if it's the like baby's off camera, thing, in case we forget it. the baby was there, it has to still be making noise. Yeah, but I, I don't know that that's like an active decision. I think I somebody know. subliminally is like, well, we have to have a dog sound effect here. It's a dog. <laughs> I got a 30-foot loop tape of baby noise we need yeah. to work into this movie. <laughs> like, I don't understand. I don't know. Just the only thing that really stuck out to me with the dolphins was the fact that it was like I've just heard that same dolphin noise in so many damn things. Yeah. yeah. Had you heard it in 3D? Mm. Probably not. Probably still not. And you actually still haven't. How do you haven't. hear in 3D? <laughs> Dolby Surround. Then no, I didn't because okay. I don't have Rumble that. Rama. Rumble Rama. <laughs> no, sense Around. <laughs> sense Around. I just hate, I hate when you go to the movies or you play a movie at home and everything has that stinger in the beginning that is the loudest thing in the world. And the dialogue scenes are and mute. And it scares me and the cats. And it's just, I hate it. I wish I had an option to take that out of anything I watch at home. You know mm. what's ironic? And I don't know if you've ever seen the original or its sequel. But if you watch The Sting, there are no stinger sounds <laughs> at all in that movie. And no bees. Is there a stingray? No, but no. there might be a character is, named is, Ray. I don't know. Mm. Is the Sting in it? Isn't he? Isn't that the Sting? No, Sting. Thank from, God, no. From he's police? Not. No, he wasn't in that. Wait, who's the wrestler I'm thinking of? You're thinking of Sting. Oh, just Sting. Yeah. Wait, no, not the singer songwriter. I think if they're both the, called Sting. I think if either one they're of those people had been in that movie, I would have been more than a little bit surprised. Well, first of all, you wouldn't Could've know who either of them were at the time back in 1973. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which that, by the way, See? is a Zanuck Brown, Brown production, and then uh -huh. they went off and did Jaws right after uh -huh. with Robert Shaw. Huh. So, is it weird you that you have to bring this episode back to Jaws 3D somehow? No, no, no. We do it, that it's with feel, every episode. It feels very natural <laughs> at did this you, point. Did either of you catch that? What episode did I do? Where I, I mentioned Shelby Overman. And I said, he worked overtime, and you know what happened with that. And both of you, it was like, <laughs> like dead silence. This is last series? Well, I hadn't yes. seen it, so I can't. <laughs> well, yeah, but. I can't, you know. Jason just gives us a look like, okay. I don't remember all the minor characters' <laughs> names from this movie. The it was, thing it is, was a great so dead much silence in my moment. life makes sense as I watch classics. I'm mm. like, oh, shit, everything that's referenced that makes sense to me now, because now I get this. Like, Yeah, you get the full picture. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you dug I'm, Jaws because I was like, holy shit, I if did, she doesn't, I, doesn't like it, I don't know. She's definitely not going to like Jaws 3D. <laughs> Jaws 
Honestly, <laughs> still have to watch Jaws two in the middle. I honestly, I think two's the worst one. Really? Two. Mm. I don't like anything that has kids in it because kids don't listen and they're stupid and they annoy me. We've actually had this discussion before, Nathan. <laughs> There's a lot of horror wow. films that you can't watch then. Yeah, a lot. Yeah. Um, I don't know. And it was just infuriating it. that nobody, because like the first one was good and I liked it, but there were even bits where I'm just like, I feel like it's very relevant to right now because it's like, how many people have to die before they fucking listen to Brody and close the beach? Oh, yeah. Like, it's I think it was just, two. No? Three? Well, the dog. Three or four. Oh. Dogs in there. I also really like the name Pippet. Not gonna lie. Was uh, the death in the estuary? Was that before they finally closed the beach? Yeah, it was. was The the estuary is what caused them three people and the annoying man in the sailboat. Yeah, because Mm -hmm. Mayor Larry Vaughn's son was also on that beach. Remember? Well, they don't close the water park in this movie, but we do get one voice of reason in the expertly cast Philip Fitzroyce. Yes. Otherwise known as Manimal. Yes. Manimal. Simon McCorkendale. None of that well, was. I, I really words. couldn't think of anybody who could have done that better. McCorkendale is his name. I don't think they could have done any better casting on that one than this guy. This, the, okay. This clip's title me. is Manimal Has a Planimal. Jason, I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> well, this, we're getting to this bit in the movie. Like Nathan a, named them. I know. This is definitely my turf. Here. A little over halfway through. Where our big game <laughs> photographer, I don't think he's a hunter, he's a photographer. Comes he's a animal. He comes up with the, the first really good plan for dealing with the problem. Yeah. Huh? You know, Cal, could be a stroke of luck. If we kill this beastie on camera, I can guarantee you media coverage. You can lure him into a staging area. And at the precise moment, slit his belly wide open. Can you do that? Yeah, you try and stop him, mate. <laughs> That's how we earn our bread. <laughs> well, Jack is oversimplifying matters as is usual, but yeah, I can do that. No. No? What do you mean, no? Well, I don't know if it's occurred to any of you all, but. There isn't a great white alive in captivity anywhere. Now, we're unique here, Calvin. You know that. If any facility can maintain a white, it's us. If, if we could, could dart him, tranquilize him, we, we could get him in a holding tank. Oh, now, hold it, hold it. Now, hold it. No, this is crazy. This is nuts. The white sharks are killers. I know them, for God's right. sakes. My father, my brother, myself. They're murderers. Okay. Calvin, they die magnificently. <laughs> that would really be a spectacular event, no doubt about that, huh? So right after this, Simon McCorkendale turns into a giant panda. And no wait. <laughs> All right. What did he turn into? He turned into multiple a, things. A, a bald eagle, a billy goat, and a tarantula, right? Or and a hero. No, he turned into he turned into a bear, didn't he? At one point, uh, he t- turned into a panther. A panther? No, well, in this, you know what? I'm thinking of BJ and the an bear. <laughs> he turned into Greg Evigan. Which, which didn't have a bear. Wait, I no, because that him. didn't have a bear. That was a monkey. Did he turn into yeah. a shark? He didn't have a bear. Well, and it was a family show, so it didn't have any BJs either now that I think fuck? about it. <laughs> which is why it only lasted one season. <laughs> 
technically no payoff. BJ and the Bear would be a great name for a uh, uh, a gay leading show because uh, a bear club. is also a nickname for uh, yes. a uh, Harry Burley gay man. Yes. And that sounds like someone's so just, name anyway, Harry Burley Gay Man. <laughs> <laughs> it's pronounced Burligaman. Okay. okay. Burligaman. Yeah, yeah. That just sounds like an ailment. Well, that too. What the hell? I got the Burligaman. Oh, no. Yes. Anyway. I have no idea what is happening. He really pissed me off when he walked in and she's like, can I help you? And oh, he's Greg like, no, I'm looking for somebody who knows what they're doing. Yeah. And yeah. she's like, um, I'm lead biologist. Like, yeah. Well, this, we, we talked about this on a couple of different episodes where in these either apocalypse or animal attack movies, there's always one of three things. The scientist who knows what they're doing and can't get anybody to listen. Or you have, in this case, like we have in Jaws 3D, you have the female scientist that no one listens to either, who is more in touch with and wants to take care of these animals. Is he a misogynist or a masseur? I always get those mixed up. I wonder if that's why I don't prefer animal attack movies. Oh. (laughs) What? Because of the same formula? I wonder if that's why I don't... Just just that they tend to be formulaic and Mm. just... They're irritating. Because you always have that one person that knows what go, what's going on and nobody listens to them. But that could also be said the same for ghost movies. Yeah. So yeah. maybe that's not why. Yeah, anything I mean, out of the ordinary in a, in a horror film, I suppose. I just, they're not my bag. But you're right. The, the fact that they're on the water and cannot believe that a shark could possibly be there is really strange. Do you want to hear a really now, funny story? If there's a story? giant squid, that would oh, be different. But. Right. Or if the shark was on land. That like would, Chevy Chase. Like a land shark, yeah. Like I, um... When I first moved to Texas from Maryland, people were like, oh, my God, there's sharks in Ocean City, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, yeah, they live in the water. Why are you surprised? It's yeah, like it's when people bitch the about ocean, it being hot so. during the summertime. Yeah, it's summer. No wonder it's hot. If it's 100 degrees and it's the winter, then, yeah, you can complain. If that shark is on land knocking on your door, then please complain. Especially but- if you're Lorraine Newman. So Manimal comes up with the plan. They're going to capture the baby shark or something. Lure the big shark in and then kill it that way. But that doesn't work because they end up killing the baby shark and make it useless. They don't know that there's another shark at this point. Don't they think that also, that's, okay. that's the oh, shark? No, they think it's the one shark yeah. until they find Shelby's body. Right. And they're right. like, there's no way our shark could have done this. And yeah. Yeah, because. Brody's relieved because he doesn't and, have to fire him now because he's all dead and shit. <laughs> I'm also really bummed out that they made the dramatic effect of when the shark ate Shelby that it left his arm behind, but nobody ever found the arm. Yeah, well, that could have been like I really seafood. That. You know what I mean? Like it could have been just floating around and everyone taking a nibble out of it. But still, I was like expecting that dramatic, like, oh, what is this arm doing here? And then it just never happened. Yeah, or kind of like uh, Brody with the the uh, skier in Jaws Two. Oh yeah. yeah. Mm. When it, like, shoots out at him? If that's a skier. I don't know if it's a skier or if it's the <laughs> one running the boat. You can't tell, but... Eh. Yeah. Minor details. Yeah. Honestly, some of those details run together, beings that I watch them all so close. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, what dead body was which Jaws? Jaws a thon. So you ended... Did you watch the fourth one, or did you skip that one and just no. stop at three? Well, she didn't skip it, because it's mean, just I... not up to that point yet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to skip the fourth one as... <laughs> Do one, two, and three first. Let me watch the fifth one. Yeah. Um, no, I um, I I I almost did, but then I I'm I'm not kidding. I'm sharked out. Mm. 
Even though this does make me want to go back and Jaws watch Deep Blue Sea because I love Deep Blue Sea. It's not going to cure you. Yeah. Although I love it just because it's, you know, it's like that family member. <laughs> it's a little bit wonky, but you love them anyway. My thing is, is once Brody wasn't in it anymore, I just didn't care because I really liked his character. Mm. Yeah. Which Brody? Martin Big Brody. Brody. Big Brody. Brody Brody. Well, like I mentioned earlier, Roy Scheider refused in every way to be involved with this movie. He actually Did, took the deal to do Blue Thunder just to make sure that he could not be available to do this movie. Was there a reason why? Like he didn't want to do the second he's, one. Was he? He was, he he was ever an actor who wanted to that, do different things. Basically, it's what it comes down to. He took. Did he ever like uh, crap on it though? Because you know, like <laughs> no. some people, like they get their start in horror and then they're just like, "Oh no, I wasn't," and it's like they shun it. You mean no, the original? Was he ever that way no. with it? No. Yeah. No, I don't think he crapped, also, crapped on Jaws 2 either. He just he took the movie to get out of his contract so he could move on and do other things. Because after Jaws, he got a three-picture deal yeah. universal. And one of those movies was going to be The Deer Hunter. He'd already done oh, Sorcerer. Oh, I really want to see that. But he was not sold on doing The Deer Hunter. He did, didn't buy into the, I'm not giving premise. anything away, not so much the premise, but how things end up in the movie. And I know it's pretty dark. Yeah, yeah. so he didn't agree with it. So as a compromise, he said, I would do Jaws 2 and it will count as two films. And that will complete his contract okay. with Universal. Mm -hmm. But also, you know, you've done Jaws. There's not, not much more you can do with that. I mean, that's, that's probably the best example of that genre, which sure. isn't, isn't really horror. It's adventure. It's drama. It's everything. It's all mixed together. But I can see why people do lump it into horror, though. Oh, yeah, definitely. Like, now having seen oh, it, absolutely. I can definitely, yeah, definitely. I mean, you're talking to somebody who used to dare themselves getting into an above-ground pool as a kid yeah. with a soundtrack on a boombox <laughs> and timing myself to the point where I'd have to jump out of the water because I'd freak the fuck out. But Yeah, it, it had that effect on kids. No, yeah. I was one of them, too. It had to be nice to be, like, to witness that all real time. Like, the craze of it. Yeah, like, yeah. Because it's what put, because isn't it what kind of pretty much started the whole term of like blockbuster? It because was it was the, first, the highest first, gross. It, yeah. The one first like film to break 100 film. It actually had its yeah. debut here in Dallas. They thought, if we can debut this movie where there are no sharks whatsoever and it's still successful, we got a hit on our hands. Is that why they do all those screenings around here on lakes and stuff? Like, is it yep. a, a big thing here? Yeah. I really wanted, I really wanted that to be my first time seeing it. I wanted to go see it on the lake in the inner tube and all that, but oh, no, that might I, I didn't have any friends who would go. <laughs> I don't know. It sounds like it's something I'd want to do, but man, I don't know. They would I'd go off myself full out. William Castle and have divers like grabbing at people during the yeah, movie or something. Totally. Scare the hell out of you. Yeah. But also the thing about Scheider is, you know, if you know if you're going into Jaws 2 and you know Spielberg is nowhere attached to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And... I mean, it's still a good movie. Yeah, it is. I just... But it's you're going to have lesser and lesser potential. Oh, no, I understand. Yeah. And so by the time 1983 rolls around and they want to do Jaws 3D, I'm good. It makes sense. And yeah. what more can he really do with the role? Save the day again or die? I think they did a good job making it how they made it, like without right. him and it's his kids, like it's a legacy thing. And then I just read the synopsis for four. Like, it's weird how they can 
continue it further. All I remember about Jaws 4 was uh, Mario Van Peebles doing the press tour on it, where he would very enthusiastically say, they didn't want actors with good taste, just actors that taste good. Like, oh, man. <laughs> so, <laughs> Love Mario. Uh, well, at least he got it. Yeah. <laughs> he was, Uncle Jake. He man. knew what he was getting into. Michael. <laughs> <laughs> the first plan doesn't work, but Manimal has another idea. And to be fair. Oh, my God. He is the only Manimal one. Manimal has another plan. Manimal is going to come up in like a, a future series. He, he is the only one in this movie. <laughs> it is called Manimal has another plan. Jesus. He's, he is the only person in this movie who comes up with any plans at all. So you got to give him credit for that. Right? No. Yeah. He does. Yeah. He's got different uh, priorities, but he does have an overall plan that can work to everyone's benefit. It's a pretty solid plan, I think. Well, any sign of mother? Okay, then. Where did the animal hide the first time? Uh, filtration pipe. Opposite side of the lagoon. Brody, is there an access hatch, a backwash gate? Heavy grill work. Keeps the pumps clear when we back flush that system. Why? What do you want to do, get the thing back in? It's a bright lad. Yes, Jack and I are going to lure him back into the pipe, close the gates, and then dispose of him at our leisure. Meanwhile, you can weld your tunnel patch, and then Calvin can evacuate the civilians. What if she doesn't want to go back in? Oh, I think we can pretty much guarantee that she'll want to go back in, don't you, Jack? Sure. Well, just how are you going to guarantee that? Live bait. I mean, it's dangerous. It's risky. But I didn't see anybody. Yeah, else but he even says idea. it's his retirement plan. It's not like I mean, he's got motive as to why to sure. do it. But he also knows the risk involved, and I don't like him. Spoiler That's why he wanted to take the grenades. Involved. He's smarmy. It's when our grenades come also, back. Also, is that is that factual? Like, would that have been a thing if a shark ate him, where he was just chilling in his throat? N- well. Traditionally, sharks just go in for a bite, and they don't even, like, consume the whole animal right, or right. whatever. But if you got it, it eaten, <laughs> he would have swallowed him, though, right? I don't know that he or could have. Or are they have. like whales where they have that netting where only so much can... Well, keep, I'm keep so glad mind, this is not a visual podcast. Keep in mind, the shark <laughs> already has at least two other people down there. He's got so a he may not be able to rate. get... He's thirty-five feet long. But he's not—he's not taking him in chunks. That he like looked in there and he saw the grenade, and I was just like, "Well, we wouldn't have gotten that amazing shot from inside the shark of the the chomping, which is fantastic." I can't tell you how fucking traumatized I I was as a kid (laughs) seeing this in the theater in 3D. And and the sound effects were great. That stuck with me. The crunching, Mm. the whole—you can hear him going. The shark stuff is. Fantastic! And, like, well, it's it's it, in all three of them. The shark stuff is okay until the uh, last bit Ooh. with the slow mo when he's swimming away. When he simply yeah. glides up to the glass and then stops as the glass shatters. <laughs> Nathan loves this shot. I do. I find it. it just hysterical. You know what else I find really funny? I love the fact that they're like the shark's mom is out there, so we know that it is a female shark. And that asshole, Manimal, kept calling it a he. And I'm like, 
but you know it's the mother shark. Like, I just don't like him. <laughs> Fitzroy, is that his name? Fitzroy? Fitzroy. With a capital R. <laughs> it's my Calvin. Is that SNL as well? No, it's my Calvin oh, no. Bouchard. That's your Calvin Bouchard? Okay. And then this is the first movie where I heard Enchanté. I think so. Yeah. Because I hadn't seen Rocky Horror. Oh, he speaks French yet. too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, I, McCorkendale's a great actor though. And he is pretty damn great oh. in this. But I liked him in Death well, on the he Nile. He was a good actor. I just didn't yeah. like the character. He was in Cabo Blanco, which mm-hmm. is a classic Charles Bronson movie. Uh, married to Susan George, who was amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he died too soon. Susan Definitely. George did her own shark movie. Uh, yes, she did. Tenterera. Hugo Stiglitz. And uh, what's her name from um, Three's Companies in that too? Oh, I don't I like remember just listening to you guys that. figure stuff out. Is it? It's not Priscilla Susan. Barnes. Priscilla. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. Oh, so later three. Her scenes company. are great. <laughs> Her scenes are great. <laughs> but it just has too much of that. Uh, Stiglitz did the best death. he could with the script he had. So. I was talking about that with somebody the other day that you can have a phenomenal actor if the material they're given is bad. They can only do so much with it. Mm. I was just talking about her topless scenes, but okay. Oh, yeah, well, yeah. Anyway, I um, figure. I figure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's not much to Tinterere. I forgot about that connection. I don't believe that that would be a reason for Simon McCorgandale signing on for this one. No, I don't think so either. Talking about the actors can only do so much with the material they're given, this movie also had a lot of problems with uh, producers meddling a bit too much and making a lot of script changes. They took a I whole am not surprised group of at all. VFX shots that were originally done and threw them out and replaced them with pretty questionable material. Um, the the boat going the little like underwater thing the boat that halfway vanishes. It just oh yeah, yeah. there were parts Some of where it you, was very oh there were parts where you could see straight through the tunnels that people were walking yeah, through. Yeah, it's just sloppy. But I think it could have How been do you a rush. Some of that or... looked better at the yeah, or just over time. And like I know these remastered editions and stuff like that try to fix as much as possible but when you're coming from film and that film is existed elements are already married yeah Yeah. you can't do anything about it you'd have to start over Um, redo them all no i mean they or just some of it's got to be lost some of the hokiness to those shots actually when people watch it now and they're like that's a hokey shot mm -hmm. actually didn't look horrible in 3d because there was this especially when you're talking about the shark the He's not immobile. He does move his snout, or her <laughs> snout, I should say, um, before hitting the glass. But you were more impressed with the spectacle that it was floating right toward you in the yeah. theater. And there's a there's an extra. You could see like the the line around it and everything. Yeah. So it's it's definitely another dimension. But people don't know that, and they watch a blown up version of it, and the effects are like ten times worse as a result of that because mm-hmm. you're focused on the center action of the scene. Well, even the bit when the shark explodes and we have the two pieces of the jaws just kind of float toward the middle of the screen. Yeah. Like, ah. But that's a great, that's great though, because guess what? Jaws. And I always thought that was funny. You're literally getting jaws at the end (laughs) of jaws. Yeah. And, you know, seeing it as a kid in the theater, I remember the severed, severed or the the, the floating fish head head at the beginning. Yeah. Holy shit. Great sound I'd, effect on that one, too. Yes. I'd seen, I'd only seen, a, I believe it's Creature from the Black Lagoon on local television mm-hmm. in anaglyphic 3D. I'd never seen a 3D movie like a straightforward. Right. 
you know, in theater 3d film. So when this happened, I was like, dude, I couldn't handle it. I took the glasses off. Cause it was like, does this ever stop coming at me? <laughs> like I didn't understand. And I'm like, I don't know how True, old I, I was guess like six years never, old or like, something. Yeah. I was like, Jesus. And my brother was sitting there just laughing. He took me to see it. He's sitting there. He, he could mm-hmm. totally handle it. And I remember watching well, half of the movie blurry. Now. Like, yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, I, I have, I struggle with 3d because I have motion sickness. Yeah. And because of wearing, um, I have a deviated septum, so wearing glasses mm-hmm. is difficult. Yeah. And normally I either come out of a 3D movie either insanely nauseous or a really bad headache. It would have so been, this would have been much be worse. worse. This would have been worse for you because anybody who has any kind of either farsightedness, nearsightedness, or astigmatism especially, this particular process with the polarized like lenses Eugene was from murder on you. If you tilted <laughs> your head just a little bit, it would screw you up. Mm-hmm. You don't have that much of a problem now with the circular polarization that they've been doing with the glasses. But with these, it was it was a mess. It would give you headaches really easy. I can't remember if I had a headache afterward from this, but I remember just the 3D <laughs> being very impressive. But of course, it was my first experience. And it wasn't Space Hunter? Huh? I thought would have thought Space Hunter. Would have- I, didn't, I didn't see Space Hunter in the theater. This is the I only one I saw in the, one in the theater. Yeah. But they did show the trailer for Metal Storm before this, and that was in 3D. Wow. And at the, yeah. I didn't know who Charles Band was. I didn't know what Metal Storm was, but it looked like Mad Max. Mm-hmm. So I thought, oh, is this the next Road Warrior movie, you know, in 3D? That's what it looked like to see, me. See, I didn't see Metal Storm in the theater. My first exposure to it was the weirdest way on HBO. At the time, they were running promos that entire week for a secret film that they were debuting on like a Saturday night and would not say what it was. You just had to tune in and find out. And it turned out to be metal storm. I may be remembering that wrong, but I'm pretty sure that's the first time I saw it. That's cool. Fuzzy memories of 1984. So I don't know. That might've been it. Might not. Good year. Well, you know, Mm. the backstory on that, right? Metal storm. No, probably not. No, that, (laughs) <laughs> Band had just done Parasite in 82 in mm-hmm. 3D. And then he was about to make, he was making Metal Storm independently. His father was producer on it. He, he was making it. And he knew somebody at the head of uh, the studio at Universal. And they found out he was making Metal Storm. They reached out to him. They said, look, our big summer blockbuster is Jaws 3D. We need a movie to follow it in theater mm-hmm. to couple with our projection system. Ah. So we can keep our projection system in play a little bit longer. And that's how it became a universal film. Dang. They started throwing money into it and yeah. But he was already making it on his own. Because Metal Storm came into theaters barely a month after Jaws 3. Yeah, within it? a couple months. Yeah. I think. That's awfully close together. For- yeah, I think uh, they could have had. Chose 3D in the theater a bit longer, but we were also talking about how the, there was a 2D print floating around because when it would play at drive-ins, mm-hmm. they didn't have, they weren't equipped with that 3D right. projection, so you would have Jaws 3 when you went to the drive-in. But uh, so yeah. maybe maybe I do that, like that it is the third one and it's Jaws 3. Yeah, that was a trend because Amityville 3D was the third one. Friday the 13th Part 3 was the, the third one. one. Yeah, Superman 3, not 3D. No. <laughs> No. I don't know if that would have helped it at all. And there's but. another movie that I was thinking about. Why wasn't that one in 3D? Actually, Superman 3 a would have been one? perfect. Yeah, I'm trying well, to think. Yeah, 
Wasn't there a, um, because I have the Nightmare on Elm Street box set, like the old one that they did, and it came with 3D glasses. Yeah, Freddy's dead. The last 10 minutes of that are in 3D. You had to put on special glasses to witness or help. The audience had to help defeat Freddy by putting on the special glasses or something like that. Oh, that's actually really cool. Yeah, I saw that in the theater. It was fun. And they they were the red cyan Mm -hmm. glasses. Glasses. The red and blue. They mm-hmm. redid the color of the, the scene to play into that better than you right. normally have. With They made it work better. Yeah. As it, far as I remember. It was very effective. Well, it was later, too. It wasn't as new in the premise of 3D. Right. It was 91. Mm-hmm. So it was about... Mm-hmm. Not many 3D movies there come out in the really 90s. There was really no 3D movies at that time. 1990s, there were maybe 12, 13 3D releases compared to I wouldn't 30 even, or so well, how in the much, 1980s. How much of those are, you know... Omni exhibits. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it was, it was pretty effective. Um, but one of the things you were talking about, the writers on this, is Richard Matheson wrote the story. Mm-hmm. And I don't know the certainty of it, but his, his idea was drastically different than the SeaWorld plan. Probably. It would have been just about, you know, kind of the same elements of the original where you have a shark in play in this scenario. I don't even know if the Brodies were involved. I don't know if that treatment is out there. So I think they enlisted Carl Gottlieb mm-hmm. because he had written the first one and wrote part of the second one as well. I think that was their insurance plan because you didn't have uh, Richard Zanuck or David Brown producing. You had Alan Landsberg Productions, which is largely TV-based. They had done Ants, Tarantulas, The Deadly Cargo, The Savage Bees, mm-hmm. and Terror Out of the Sky, which you love. Of course. Um, so in a way, you can go to them and go, well, that's their wheelhouse. They know how to do preacher films. Hmm. But I don't think they've done anything in terms of cinema before. And that might have been like a budgetary concern. Like, well, we can go to them because they can do it for the cheap. Also, Dennis Quaid had worked with Ellen's Landsberg Productions on Bill and Bill on his own, the sequel that came out the same year as Jaws 3D. So that's kind of his connection. Oh, wow. Plus working with Carl Gottlieb on Caveman. I think those are the two elements that got him into Jaws 3D. So I always like those connections. So it's like a perfect storm of insurance policies taken out to try to make this thing work. I would think so. And that's also why you would have Joe Alves as a director, I think, too. It's like, well, who better to direct this than the guy that helped design the shark and (laughs) graduated to assistant director on the second film, Mm. you know, that I can't imagine the pressures he was under to make this film. It's his one and only straight directorial effort. Not only the pressures involved, but we were talking also about the pressures of the, of the format of 3d shooting in 3d. Sure. How much time did that take? And that could have been another reason why some of the effects in post were rushed. Mm -hmm. Maybe too much time was spent in production. And they still managed to make four times over their budget back again. But I, Yeah, I think that's like the Landsberg touch is I can make sure. it for this amount and you're going to make so much more money. Plus, it was a gamble doing a Jaws movie by this point because it's five years after the second one. Yeah. Is this still a viable interest? You know, I think that maybe 3D mm. was their only game to do it. I don't know. Maybe. Well, you'd grasp at straws at what's popular at the time. It was the- like you try to keep things relevant. I think, well, horror like that's was the only reason deal, I could know. think them doing with 3D. Yeah. 
Well, that's definitely why they ended up going that route. There's a lot of cool things. I remember going to SeaWorld in the late 80s in Orlando, and one of the trainers in the movie, well, he's kind of assistant to Bess Armstrong in the actual film, but he was the Dolphins trainer, Dan Blasco. I was about to say, weren't a lot of the extras or supporting cast in this movie actually employees of SeaWorld yeah, and not and actors? Yeah, he's called Dan in the film. So ah. he, he was there when I went in like 88 or 89, and I almost freaked out. I was like, that's the dude from Jaws 3. You know, like, and I didn't, I guess Liz is the other one. I think mm-hmm. she also Liz's worked one, yeah. there. But it Do was you want to cool. know something funny? No, never. When um, the shark died in the water and she was like, Dan, Dan, I thought they had named the shark Dan. And then it dawned on me that the, the assistant helper dude was Dan. Yeah. I was like, when did they agree to name the shark Danny? Like, I was just very confused. <laughs> Easy well, mistake to also, make. That I can really see that. Sad. Yeah. Like, and you hear like the kid crying in the background. And she, oh my yeah. God. Like, I think that's another reason why I don't like, I always call them creature features. Mm-hmm. Like these types of movies. There's just so much animal death in them. And I don't like that. Tell that to the Brodies. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> well, it's like you're in a, I, I love the concept. And this goes back to what I was saying earlier about people complaining about sharks being in water when it's like, okay, that's where they live. Like, <laughs> I love these films, especially when it's like more like a commentary on conservation and things like that, where they go in and they destroy these habitats mm-hmm. and then the animals attack back. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you're destroying where they belong. Like, so you you're for. the bad guy yeah. here, not the, yeah. Not so much in this movie. Just, no, and they kind of, well, Gossett no, Jr. because he shouldn't of... be in the water park. Well, yeah, that's. <laughs> sharks don't belong in water it's parks. It's kind of a crap water park, too, to be honest. Well, they do have sharks there, though. No, because wasn't this the first shark in captivity? Well, a great white. Hmm. No, they do have oh, okay. they do have sharks, all kinds white. of sharks. Yeah, at SeaWorld. I also feel like now, like the whole commentary on SeaWorld in general is just not good. No. Well, did they change? Thank you, SeaWorld. Did they change the names of the attractions? Because in this movie, it's the Second Spanish Galleon, Jonah's Marine Funhouse. No, I think those were the Deepwater Coral Forest and a Cocktail Lounge. I'd- Neptune's something or other. That bar is there, but it's, I'm trying to think what it's called now. It's not Neptune's. I think that may have just been what it was called in the movie. Manimal's Hideout? Could be called Manimal's Hideout. Oh my God, Jason. Um, <laughs> you know what's going to happen. We're going to watch that movie on series four, probably. It's, it's a series. It All three episodes? <laughs> it's a series? Yeah, it's a TV series oh my God. on NBC. See, I know nothing about it. This fall. They tried a lot of weird TV series at the time. You had Auto Man. Yeah, Desi Arnaz <laughs> Jr. I, dude, I had some Auto Man toys. I don't even know what the fuck it was from. I, as a kid, I went to like Biomart, and this is in Oregon, and they had like this, and it was an Auto Man. It was this briefcase, and it was this little brown briefcase thing, and it had stickers on it. <laughs> <laughs> that were like, you know, electrodes or whatever. And oh I'm like, what the God. fuck is this? So Katie, try to imagine if someone decided to rip off Tron, but have it make but less creatively. sense. Yeah. <laughs> and with it, like a tenth of the budget. Yes. That was Auto Man. Yeah. Could, so was he a pseudo transformer? Like he could no. he turn into the car? Uh, he, no, no, oh. not at all. He's just a well, guy with like this, Auto he Man? looked like Tron. You know, the, the you know. Like, so he had the weird suit. Yeah. yeah. So, I have actually seen both Tron movies. Thank surprise, you, surprise. You. No, that's not a surprise at all. Doesn't surprise me. I mean, it surprises me. It's been in the last like. I'm not gonna lie. Auto Man ten years is that in I've my, seen them. Uh, and it's actually, in my cart on Amazon, and I keep wanting to pull the trigger on it. I actually did see Get the, the second season. Tron movie in 3D. I did too. I like the second. It's a one. great movie. I like the first one. 
Love Tron I think Legacy. there's not a lot of substance there, but the first one is good. What do you need substance for, really? With that, well, you know what I mean? Like, well, you know what I mean. All... It doesn't. It's like it's like, and I feel like what I'm going <laughs> to say is going to come off blasphemous to people, but it's my favorite movie. So, but it's like how the first, the original Suspiria doesn't necessarily have a huge story. No, it doesn't. It's it's mostly style over. But substance. But it's still sure. phenomenal. Oh, yeah, like yeah, that's yeah. how I look at the first Tron. Like it's there's not like a really big like through line. Where you know really always what's going on, but it's it's still a good movie. It's just it's like we have this great creative uh, outlet to tell a story. It may not be the greatest story, but yeah, it's and I think it still looks good for the time it was oh, made. Oh, it's revolutionary as far mm-hmm. as like computer generated effects go. That and the, and the, the last first Tron movie, yeah, I remember seeing you know magazine articles declaring Tron is here. This is the end of movies as we knew them, taken that seriously as and then this movies is the did way end for it. like a week and a half. There were no more movies. Yeah. And then they go, you know what, let's do some more yeah, movies. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Tron was great though. Tron had a video game even. Oh yeah. Stand up arcade Action game figures. attached to it. And Daft Punk did an amazing job with the score for the legacy. Yeah. yeah. Well, Wendy Carlos did an amazing score in the original too. Mm. Who did the who did the them. music for Jaws 3D? That was Alan Parker, who was a British it, Alan composer. Per- yeah. He'd done television. I really liked it. It's a great fucking score. It's Works. almost, it's very bombastic and very, well, we talked about mm-hmm. theme parky, but it's, sure. it's got that, I was listening to it on the way over, man. <laughs> I've got three different CD releases of it, but anyway. Oh my God. Um, and I've got the <laughs> LP it. and the cassette, but anyway. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely love that score. And John Williams does a fantastic score for Jaws mm-hmm. 2, as well as the original. And he doesn't just reiterate the same themes. Mm-hmm. He, of course, he has to on certain oh, yeah, ones, but there's it's a great score on its own. Um, so for Alan Parker, I mean, I can't think of another composer to do a better job for the third go-round if you can't get John Williams. Hmm. And he does take those themes, but he doesn't base his score on them necessarily. He employs them where, they're, where they need to be. Sure. But there's just a glorious sound to it all. Yeah. Some say it's probably too good for the film, in fact, but it's definitely one of the stronger No, elements. I think it fits it pretty well. Yeah, but I think some people think that don't like Jaws 3D as a film. They go, well, the score is great and, you know, it doesn't deserve to be that good. But I don't agree with that. I think you have to look at Jaws 3D the same way we look at Halloween 3 as not as a, as I need a, to see as that, a different so entity than the first two, really. But and kind then of you've related. You've got Barbara Hershey in the mix, and that's an entirely different. You entity. know, it, it should stand it's so on its own. It's so funny that you mentioned that because IMDb trivia specified Jaws 3D and Halloween 3 mm-hmm. as pivotal films in their series, series in which that got directors kind of their start because like Spielberg with the first one, it's not where he got his start, but it kind of propelled him forward. Same with John Carpenter in the original Halloween, but these are also their own fine standalone films. Oh yeah. definitely. It's better to look at Jaws three outside of the context of the first two almost because it is so different. It's way different feel to it. It should be judged on its own merits and not against the first movie or even against the second one. Definitely not the fourth one. No, even though I love the fourth one. I, mean, I, know, I love all, I the, all, the, all the Jaws films. but <laughs> Even um, Girl Jaws. But I was too young to see, well, I wasn't even born when the first one released. And yeah. the second one, there was, I was like a year old. Mm. I don't think I would have gone to the theater to see it. Eh. Anyway, um, not on my own anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so for me, this was my introduction to Jaws in the 
in the in theatrical theater. format. Sure. So that's probably where a lot of the sentimental value is for me is the fact that, yeah, I saw it in its first run. And I remember wearing the 3D glasses out. Like I would wear them all the fucking time. <laughs> Didn't you tell me you used, tried to use them as sunglasses one time or something? And <laughs> I don't know. I was an idiot. Anyway, um, <laughs> but I did have good taste. No. Um, yeah, I probably did. I don't know. But I used to wear them and, you know, they were cardboard and they'd fall apart. apart yeah. like, God damn it. I can't get enough. You can't. I'd have to go to see the movie again and it wasn't in theaters anymore. So uh, one time I had access to like a whole box of those things, like hundreds of them. Yeah. I could have taken it home with me, but really? Yeah. Uh, why not? When 3D <laughs> movies like that existed back then, were they themed to the films yes, that they, they came were. out for? Or were the they, shark, they were? The, the, there was a oh, shark. Oh yeah, because no, the, the, the glasses I got were just plain white cardboard. Really? Yeah. Mine had the shark in the, in between. Yeah. I didn't get that. That's funny. Yeah. And then Friday the 13th I bet they're part, on eBay now. Oh, yeah. You can find them on there. I've got some Friday the 13th Part 3 glasses that he's got Jason with a machete on oh. the side of each. Well, in my case, we... Yeah, my Nightmare on Elm Street ones are, are Nightmare on Elm Street yeah. themed. Because I was in a tertiary market at the time, we probably just got the same glasses they used for Space Oh, Hunter. yeah. No, they did. They they would they just, recycle Whatever glasses. was left over. Yeah. That's what we got. Jason, do you... Uh, not Jason. Nathan, do you have the Jaws 3D trading cards? Yes, um, he does. <laughs> someone say Jaws 3D Are training with him? Are you kidding? Yes. Why are you even asking this? That's that's amazing. And they're in 3D on the back. <laughs> so I love it. 3D drawings. And then they even that's gave perfect. you like these really small 3D glasses with each pack that you could look at. Yeah, I saw it on eBay. That's why I wanted to make sure that you knew about oh, them. Yes. <laughs> oh my lord. I can't believe you even asked. You yeah, knew the answer to yeah. that before you I also even have the Viewmaster reels, if that's going to be your next question. I got the soundtrack well, on wax cylinder. about that, remember? <laughs> Did we talk about Okay, okay. <laughs> the thing I love about this, though, is I'm always this person about a film I love. Like, I'll get anything and everything dealing with it. So it's mm. nice to talk to somebody else who has a film that they've done that with, because then I'm not necessarily the odd man out. No, no, definitely. Oh, I do want to make one okay. connection. Please do. Because, yeah, there was only four Jaws movies, but Leah Thompson went on to be in a film that had a Jaws reference later on. Do either of you know that film? Mm, likely no. Was it Casual Sex? I wish. Yeah. Uh, no. Is this tied into the almost did it in the water last night thing in Jaws 3D or something no, else? No, no, no. It's the classic Jaws 19 in Back to the Future Part 2. That's right. Anyway. Yeah, it's he's there. so proud of himself. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I think we should wrap this one up now. What? Uh, we just sure. started. Check out all the Jaws movies, but in particular, check out Jaws 3D and give it some love, will you? It's a fantastic movie. Have some fun with it. Pop some popcorn. Sit in your bathtub if just... you can't go out to a theater. That's our episode, though, guys. Thank you all for being here. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time. That's it. The show is over. Thank you for listening. The Smooth Thrills Radio Hour is a production of Ghostcraft and is recorded live in Dallas, Texas. Please email your questions and comments to autopilot at smooththrillsradiohour.com. Enjoy the rest of your day. Radio.
Put pin S to be pulled. Right. 